0: Hey, good morning church, Pastor Sergio here, I'd like to talk to you about uh, the title of this message, Who Am I? And uh, this is very important because I think that um, it'll help us out, finish a year and start a new year. But before that, I'd like to make a declaration this morning, and if, if you would just declare this with me right where you're at, uh, would you just say, Lord, give me ears to hear, a heart to perceive, and a spirit to discern your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, did you know that most people take an interest in knowing where they came from? As a matter of fact, now you can find out your genealogy, your ancestors, who your peeps were. You know, you can find all that information online now. And I think my ancestors were so hard to find, they must have been in a witness protection program. I will let that sink in a bit. See, people do want to know where they came from. Because it helps them answer a question. It helps all of us answer a question of who we are. And as we remember that Jesus is the Son of God, but his father placed Jesus into a human family born to the virgin named mary who was about to marry a carpenter named joseph and these were real people regular people who raised jesus into the imperfect family see matthew where we read this story Matthew is one of Jesus's disciples that takes interest in making sure that the readers understood the history of where Jesus' family came from. And this is great because in the first verse of cha- uh, in the first verses of chapter one, there are seventeen verses that mention forty six people, which trace about two thousand years in Jesus' genealogy through his earthly father, Joseph. And when we get to these 46 people who made up the family's history, we realize that we don't have to be perfect to be part of something important. Among Jesus' ancestors, we see some names that are mentioned like Abraham. We see Ruth. We see David. And and these were all faith heroes, But we also read about others that didn't really have a royalty. They were not even known. They didn't even have a glamorous story to make this list. They made this list of being part of Jesus' genealogy just by being themselves. And I believe that you and I have to be reminded once in a while... Of who we are. What identity do we have in Christ? See, our, our differences, our identity, has a positive impact in others that are part of the body of Christ. And, and all forty-six of these ancestors were different from one another. And and we're going to look at three things that made them unique. I believe that these three things are the same things that make you and I as well. Because they shape our our identity. See, as we discover these three identity shapers, they will help us answer the question of who we are. And why we belong in the kingdom of God. The first identity shaper is our experiences. And our life experiences are just so different, not only from one culture to, to another, but all, also from one generation to the other. And I constantly remind our second service and uh, how I remember just growing up and playing with marvels and flying kites and even making your own kite as we were growing up. And these activities are just no longer present, no longer practiced by our new generations. And those are not the only experiences that we remember. We also remember or, or we are different in just even celebrating Christmas, the way we, we celebrate New Year's. These are all different things that make us unique. And I'd like to talk to you about one person in particular on how his experiences made him unique. The first person that is mentioned in Jesus' genealogy is Abraham. This man was chosen by God and called to be a part of just something special. He was given a promise in Genesis chapter 17, verse 4. And and, and God tells him, I promise that you will be the father of many nations. But even with this big promise... Even after Abraham received this promise, he had some good experiences and some bad experiences. And there's just so much uh, that you can read about him. I'd just like to mention one. Abraham actually decided that, well, God might need some help to fulfill the promise that he has given me. Not only was he an older man, but his wife... Just couldn't conceive children and remember god just told them that he would be the father of many nations so abraham decides to take his servant and tries to fulfill the promise that god just gave him the outcome really affected his relationship with his servant and it affected his relationship with his wife see abraham learned soon enough that it was In God's timing and through God's way to to accomplish making this promise possible. The only way that the promise was going to be fulfilled was that Abraham needed to believe God. And Abraham needed to allow God to fulfill the promise. And he was going to make him the father of many nations. Not the other way around. See, I think we can ask ourselves, what experiences have we had in 2020 that God has meant to shape us into new people who, into the people he is growing in his image? I think he is just really different things that we have in our lives that have just shaped us a little bit towards what god wants us through the struggles and pains we have shared it is possible that god ha- has been working to shape us to be more maybe more loving patient kind gentle maybe more willing to pray for those that are are hurting or or just more ready to give generously to those who are And need around us. See, it's not only good that we have these experiences in our lives to shape us, but God will also use the bad ones. He would also use those experiences that we believe, man, I can never get anything good out of this. He will also use these experiences to shape who we are and to shape our uniqueness. If we ask God, he'll show us that all things work together for good. This is great. See, Romans chapter 8, verse 28 says the following. And we know that God causes all things to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. See, after Paul uh, says this, he goes even further to describing the kinds of experiences he's talking about when he says all things will work together for good. Romans chapter 8, verse 35 and 37 says the following. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Is there anything that will separate us? Does it mean that he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or danger or threatened with death? No, he answers. Despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. This is great. This is great. God has a unique purpose for you and for me. And he will use all the experiences around us, even the hard ones, to achieve his will in our lives. This is great because it doesn't matter what experiences we've had. He's going to use them to achieve his will in our lives. See, the second thing that that we see in the genealogy of Jesus that made people unique was their personality. And here's a definition of what I found of what personality means. It's the combination of characteristics or qualities that form an individual's distinctive character. See, this is an area... That I'm still working on. Sometimes my personality can be a little bit abrasive. And I'm working to be kinder. When we read through the long list of people in in the history of Jesus and his family, we find that there are no perfect personalities. They were all unique. Just like ours. Just like us. They were all different. Maybe they were loud, maybe they were quiet, maybe they were introverts or extroverts. Maybe they laughed a lot, or maybe they were really serious. But we discover that God isn't looking for perfect personalities. He's looking for people with hearts that he will uh, chase after him no matter what. People that will seek him no matter what. But I also find that often I compare my personality to those of others who I really admire, like Pastor Tim and Pastor Kelly. And I have reminded myself that they have their own story. I remember telling Pastor Tim how I felt about a year ago. And I told him, that I was comparing myself to him on how he preached. And he said, Sergio, I am older than you. (laughs) And I've been preaching for two decades longer than you have. So don't try to catch up. It is an impossible task. And in time, he said, You'll grow just like I have. That really made sense to me. That really made sense. Because you can keep comparing yourself to be somebody else. And you will never become that person. I was never going to be Tim. I was always going to be Sergio is what I just realized at that point in time. I was going to write my own story in Santa Maria Foursquare by just being me see our daughter Catherine just turned 15 and knowing how hard life can be at that age I, I mentioned something to her that I thought just would be a great tool for her in life and I told her that as a woman she does not have to compare herself especially to her mom. I said, you don't have to compare yourself. Just be you. And I said, everything that you need from your mom is already in you. I'll tell you again. I told my daughter, everything that you need from your mom is already in you. And God actually reminded me of something and reminds us about this same thing. Jeremiah chapter 31 verse 33 says, but this is the new covenant that I will make with my people. I will put my instructions deep within them and I will write them on their hearts. I will be they're God, and they will be my people. See, God has put in everything in us already that he's expecting from us. He's put it in, it in us. And as you and I accept Jesus in our lives, we receive this promise. Everything that you and I need from God is already in us. See, we see this in another person in Jesus' genealogy. King David. And in First Samuel chapter 13 verse 14. We read that God describes him as a man after his own heart. A man after his own heart. And we know that David was, well, was imperfect. <laughs> he was a sinner. An adulterer. A murderer. But he also kept finding his way back to God. He made mistakes, but he found himself going back to God. There was something deep in his personality that kept pressing on toward God. When he fell, he fell toward God and not away from God. And then the third area of uniqueness I see in the list of people in Matthew chapter 1 is their faith. As pastors, this is something we're always wanting to see grow in our church family. We want people's faith to grow. And our faith, it's much easier than what we really think. Our faith is much easier than what we really think. I've seen people spend so much time trying to figure out, How to have more faith. Having faith just really translates to having a relationship with God. And there are no secrets. There's no special codes. Or there's no really a VIP access to have more faith. As a matter of fact, when we read in Hebrews chapter 4 verse 16. It says this. So let us come boldly to the throne of gracious, of our gracious God. There, will, there we will receive his mercy. And we will find grace to help us when we need it the most. We have free access. We have free access to God. And to having more faith, which comes from God. See, we read about Rahab in Jesus' genealogy. And she was an imperfect person. As we read in this first chapter of Matthew. She was an imperfect person who came into a relationship with God. Rahab became part of Israel. By believing in God... And believing in the God that she had heard about. All she had to do was just believe. She helped the Israelite spies just when they were about to take the city of Jericho. But she had faith that they would come back and then they would preserve their family. She had faith that God will save her and her family. And this is why we read in Matthew chapter 1 that she became the great grandmother to King David. She became part of this royal line all the way to Jesus. And church, you and I have full access to God. We have full access. Spending time with them will shape our faith. Spend, spending time with the Lord will shape our personality. And will have a better outcome in our experiences. Jesus cares for us. And that, this is why he gave his life for us. We are born as we are born again. We become part of Jesus' genealogy. We become part of something important. We do belong. Let me read a last passage in Ephesians chapter 2, two verse 19. "So now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens along with all of God's holy people. You are members of God's family. Together, we are His house. Built on on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. And the cornerstone is Christ Jesus Himself. If we can say that we belong there's a way that we can say this is by understanding that we belong to the most important family Jesus genealogy we are no longer strangers and foreigners I love this passage because it says that we are citizens along with all of God's holy people would you pray with me this morning and just believing What God has spoken to us about our identity and how we are unique. Lord, help us accept our identity. We need your reassurance that helps us believe that you love us for who we are. And as we finish this season and we start a new year, we need to know that you are part of all of the areas in our life. The seasons and times might change. But your love does not change for us. And if you have not experienced Jesus and the identity, this new identity, you may repeat this prayer with me as you are watching us online. Would you tell him, Jesus, come into my heart. Bring light to the deepest experiences that might have caused me to doubt that I belong in this world or that I belong to a better family? Will you help me understand that you love me? Will you help me understand that I do belong and that you accept, accept me just as who I am? In Jesus' name, amen. Church, You are blessed. Enjoy your family and enjoy being part of this larger family. May God bless you.